0: You didn't work. I said I wanted to record this weekend, and you said you were taking the weekend off.
1: Girl. girl, when I tell you that I'm taking the weekend off, I'm saying I'm taking the weekend off from you, girl. I make like a podcast, Ellen. Okay.
0: You know what? New plan. Okay? You stay here, uh-huh. and I'll fuck off. Okay? okay. That's just—that way I know it'll get done, because it'll only get done if I do it right. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Better plan. (laughs) Better plan. (laughs) Marsh. Oh, hi Patricia! I didn't, I, I wasn't sure you were going to show up today, but you have. Now here we are. Thank you so much.
1: Great! I love getting that tone from you right at the top of the app, you guys. Hey, you guys! Welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, the podcast where Ellen Marsh and I recap episodes of our favorite show, Disappeared, to tell the stories of missing people. I'm mixing it up. Do you like my new description? Shh.
0: I do. Where are they? Where are they?
1: Where are they? Where the hell are they? In fact, you guys, if you want more Ellen and me, by the way, get in the Patreon. Let me tell you what I forgot. I'm going to start start with the trivia at the $5 level you get oh, I'm not- Once a month, we do trivia. Like a thousand people show up. You get to play at home. We call on a bunch of you. We do prizes. We sent out all our prizes. It was so fun. I got to do more mail. Yes, and the questions are easy and hard. It's so fun. True crime trivia once a month. But in addition to that, you get three full bonus episodes every single month. And every Monday morning, you get Friday Night Live as a podcast. Which is super fun. Yeah. You also get ad-free versions of these episodes. You get to be on our best friend's on Instagram. How's that going, girl?
0: I think- it's fun. We sort of, like, give the people a little extra. We do some FaceTime. We do some questions. Yeah! A little more of us. But listen, that might be someone's worst nightmare. Who
1: knows? (laughs) You guys also follow us on Instagram. It's The Disappeared Pod. Every Friday night at 6 p.m. Eastern we go live. Um, We take your questions. I get drunk. I make fun of Ellen. Uh, A week or two ago, it got kind of heated. Sometimes we fight right in front of you, you guys. It's live. You never know what's gonna happen in there.
0: Never know what's gonna happen. Speaking of live, we also go live on our Instagram every Friday that at
1: 6 p.m. I just did the Instagram, you silly goose. Oh, wait, that was Instagram.
0: <laughs> wait, that's what you were just talking about, about Instagram Live.
1: <laughs> All right, you guys, it disappeared season four, episode one. We're at the beginning of a whole new season, girl. It's called Running for Her Life tells the story of the disappearance of Rachel Louise Cook.
2: 19-year-old Rachel Cook returns to her small Texas hometown from San Diego for the holidays.
3: We were worried about her in San Diego. We thought that they'd have a crime rate.
2: While staying at her parents' house, she goes out for a run and disappears.
3: Never occurred to us that it would happen when she was at home. Home's supposed to be safe, and it wasn't. Somebody has done something horrible. Rachel.
2: For years, investigators and family are tormented by the baffling case.
3: You have a person who basically vanished.
4: Being the parent of a missing person, there's a thing we say that it's one of the biggest clubs in the world, and it's one club you never want to join.
1: You know, the reason they had to say Rachel Louise Cook is because if we said this was about the disappearance of, like, early 2000s movie star Rachel Cook from Josie and the Pussycats, it'd be a whole different episode, girl.
0: It would be a whole different episode. Same hairstyles, though. (laughs) Oddly
1: enough. I have... (laughs) many questions about the hairstyles (laughs) (laughs) many questions
0: oh we're we're gonna get there (laughs) so here we are we're at December 3rd 2010 we're in Ellis County Texas and it's at 4 p.m. and the police receive a wait
1: (laughs) you're on the snapped notes sis (laughs) (laughs) I'm like in my notes, it's January 10th, 2012. Girl, pull yourself together. Pull yourself together, sis. <laughs> All right. So it's Thursday, January 10th, 2002. We're in Georgetown, Texas. We meet the Cook family. So the dad is a software engineer. The mom is an art teacher. The youngest sister, Joanne, is a high school student. And we learn that the eldest daughter of the family, Rachel, is visiting for Christmas break. She's on break from her school in San Diego. You guys, she's sound asleep on the couch while the rest of the family is having breakfast. And they are super annoyed about it. (laughs) My family used to be like
0: that, too. And whenever I would come home, I'm like, then why'd you downgrade the house. You knew I was gonna come back. Why'd you get rid of my guest room, bitch?
2: The only thing a little out of the ordinary this morning is the presence of the family's eldest daughter, Rachel, who is sprawled out asleep on a nearby couch. Rachel is visiting on her winter break from a college in San Diego.
3: She was sleeping on her couch while she was in town for my cousin's wedding.
1: Then, uh, insult to injury, we learned that, quote, not my words, family's words, she's been driving everybody crazy trying to figure out an outfit to wear for her cousin's wedding. And I just went, do you think the family could lay off her for a minute? Just oh yeah. my God! Uh, <laughs> she
0: was so cute. And then, you know, Sister Joanne tells us how much she loved fashion and how she was so beautiful. And she
1: was. She was a beautiful girl. Totally stylish. Rocking the early aughts. Okay, I'm going to agree that she was like stylish because you say so. And I know you have style. We gotta talk about the hair.
0: Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> I'm, there. I'm with you. All right, let's talk about the zebra hair. We're talking early aughts, Christina Aguilera, yes. Kelly Clarkson. Zebra hair was the hair you wanted to have. It was a commitment. Don't get me wrong.
1: Dear, wait, well, let's explain what it is. Like she's got this like blonde hair where there are like chunks of like a color that can only be described as like Cabernet. So it's like blonde Cabernet, blonde Cabernet. I'm so sorry. So just, oh, just you? To- you don't, I don't know what you're gonna say, but you don't sound super sorry. Yeah. Just, just so you know. I
0: mean, it was a style that we all aspired to and could not pull off. There are three people that could pull it off. <laughs> aforementioned Kelly Clarkson and Christina Aguilera and Rachel Cook. Rachel Cook rocked it.
1: Yeah, Rachel Cook was pretty fucking awesome. The other thing we learned, so they say that she's like a fashionista. She had a $400 sweater. Yeah. She bought a $400 sweater. I'm
0: an adult and not a college student and I still think $400 is a lot for a sweater. I think $100 is a lot for a sweater. I mean, you take the same four t-shirts like you know i'm sure you empathize right yeah i mean sweetheart I, we can take this off mike but like okay. okay please can i spot you like 35 bones to go get a new shirt
1: <laughs> you know my venmo i'm not in charge of your fingers
2: <laughs> rachel brought her new boyfriend home with her but by new year's he'd already returned to california
3: She told me how happy and in love with him that she was. And they seemed to get along really well. And she seemed very happy.
4: He was a super guy. He was very attentive to her, very sympathetic to her desires about her future, her dreams.
1: So we learned that Rachel brought home her boyfriend, Greg. He came home with her for Christmas.
0: Everyone in the family loved him. They all said he was so sweet. Mama Janet loved him. And they were actually going to move into each other. They were going to move into each other. (laughs) There was a question the other day that said, who makes more mistakes? I was like, absolutely me. I can't talk. Um, They were going to move. They were. What
1: are you guys? Are you, is it getting serious? Yeah. I think we're going to move into each other. I'm going to give her a key to me. I'm going to give her a key to me. <laughs> <I> hate you. <laughs> but I have the note here. I'm like, all right, everyone loves Greg, but Greg is not with us. So, like, you know, it's early in the up. We don't know what's going to happen. So do you want to talk
0: about the pageant?
1: Do I want to talk? You're going to ask your homosexual co-host if I want to talk about the pageant we learned that Rachel participated in when there's video evidence to prove it.
2: When she was 18, Rachel brought her fashion sense to the Miss Georgetown contest. She didn't win, but that didn't phase her.
0: Christopher goes, she didn't win. I was like, shut up, Christopher.
1: <laughs> but wait, you guys, there's a video of it. We don't hear it. We just see it. It's obviously during the talent competition and she's singing and she's like sitting at a piano bench and then she like gets up and walks towards the foot of the stage. And I said, what is she singing? Hopelessly devoted. It's either that or it's like the greatest love of all. Like I, yeah. in my mind, it's the greatest love of all.
0: I thought the standing was at the butt. <laughs> no like, yeah, it's like the big dramatic swooping thing. Yeah, totally. Anyway, she didn't win.
1: But the dad says, and I could totally relate to this. The dad says to us, "You know, she just loved life. Like she couldn't get enough done in a day. Yeah." And I was like, "Oh, I really relate to that. Like, yeah. you know, like I, I totally understand what it's like to be excited about your life and be like, there's just not enough hours because like it's all fun and good, you know?
0: Yeah." I also want to say, while there is no distinctive extraordinary down bitch in this episode. Everyone's just kind of great people. Papa Cook slowly breaks my heart throughout this episode. We'll get more into it, but I... Yeah. Every time I I say him, I'm literally clutching my pearls. I'm, like, putting my hand to my heart, just, like... I know. He is the sweetest.
1: But wait, we have to now learn some, like, sort of tragic, awful news about Rachel. Right. She is a person who jogs for fun.
0: Yeah, I didn't know how you were going (laughs) to come out with this, so I'm glad you just band-aid ripped it for everybody.
1: I want to be on her side because she's the victim here, but then I I feel attacked. You know what I mean? Then I feel, like, personally victimized. Yeah By her lifestyle And her choices Yeah, It's like I don't mind If you want to run for fun I just don't want to see it I don't know why You have to like Put it in my face You know what I mean
4: She'd run Four six miles Every day So that was a good Workout for her It kept her in shape
1: I'm going to hard pass on that. I'm going to I'm gonna hard pass on the four to six miles a day.
0: I know. And that's how she kept in shape. And I was like, well, that's excessive. Yeah. So at 9.15 a.m., Rachel gets a call. Everybody has left for work, right? It's a normal Thursday morning. Everyone's going to work, to school, mom, dad, sister, out of the house. 9.15, she gets a call from sweet boyfriend Greg in San Diego. And then from what we know, she got dressed and went out for a job.
2: Sometime after her phone call with her boyfriend ends, Rachel puts on her running clothes, grabs a portable radio and earphones, and goes out for her run. Her parents' ranch-style house is in a subdivision of Georgetown, Texas, a little north of Austin. Most homes sit on large lots of more than an acre and are set back from the road. On a workday, there isn't much traffic by foot or by car, as Rachel jogs her usual route.
0: So she was out for her customary six mile run or whatever. And then when everyone gets home slowly, she hasn't returned. So what they notice when they get home is her cell phone and her purse were still at the house. So her dad's like, that's weird. Like all this stuff is here. So they call her best friend, Shannon, and ask where Rachel is. Yeah,
1: because Shannon's like, well, let me, before you get too worried, let me ask you this. Is her makeup there? And the dad's like, "Yeah." yes, her makeup is here. And that's when Shannon panics. Because Shannon's like, everybody knows she would never go anywhere without her makeup.
0: She would never go anywhere without a glitter eye and a glossy <laughs> lip. Never. So, Mama Janet's getting worried too. And they called the place that she worked at. She worked at this place called Wildfire. And when she came home, she would like pick shifts up there to get money. I used to do that with the restaurant that I worked at at home too. Did you ever do that? No,
1: I know. I mean,
0: it, when I would come home for Christmas, I'd be like, I'm home for two weeks. Can I pick up a couple shifts? I would do that all the time.
1: Like, prove me wrong, but that's the thing that only happens for attractive women. Like, if I were to call the place where I worked and be like, I'm home for two weeks, they'd be like, like, why are you bothering us? And it's like, oh, hey, boss, Ellen's on the phone. She wants to know if she can pick up a couple of shifts. Is that the one with the boobs? Yeah, boss, that's the one with the boobs. Yeah, tell her we got a Friday night open. I don't know. I think it's something that only happens for pretty girls. It does not happen for, you know, chubby gay men.
0: So you think I'm pretty?
2: (laughs) Her mother phones Wildfire, a restaurant where Rachel sometimes
3: works when she's in town. They said she worked that night. So we thought, well, maybe she'd cut a ride to there and she was filling in for someone. And she forgot to take her purse and her cell phone and she'd be coming home uh, any time.
1: So they get off the phone with the work and they kind of feel better. But then Rachel never comes home that night.
0: So the next morning, Mama Janet calls and they're like, are you sure Rachel was there because she didn't come home? And they're like, oh, whoops. Yeah. Whoopsie
1: daisies. (laughs) They're like, oh no, girl, that was a totally different Rachel. You're looking for Rachel Cook? No, girl, haven't seen her in months. I thought she was at school in San Diego. And I just wrote, I'm assuming whoever made this mistake has been given the death penalty, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, could you imagine being the mom hanging up that phone and they're like, It was a different Rachel.
1: I know. And like, this is why shows like this are going to not be made anymore. Because now, like, this kind of communication lapse would never happen. Like, Of course, not with texting. The mom would be texting Rachel all night long. Like, yeah, disappearances are about to become way less interesting, you guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Enjoy your last gasp of, like, shows about people going (laughs) missing. Because this is it, you guys. This is it.
3: I decided that I was going to go out and drive Rachel's jogging path. I drove that really slow looking to see maybe she got hit by a car and might have been laying on the side. Janet Cook checks out the local hospital.
2: It has been more than 24 hours since Rachel went out for her run and disappeared. Neither parent finds any sign of their daughter.
0: Okay, here we go. Pull over. Pull over. So they to make this missing persons case or at least tell the police about it. And Sister Joanne tells us that the police were like, yeah, you know what? She probably skipped off to Mexico with her boyfriend. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, how cute. So it's just like quiet misogyny today. That's that's
1: what we're serving. But I also feel like that's like easily disprovable. Just call the boyfriend. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. She's probably just doing girly things. Did you check the makeup counter? (laughs) Oh, maybe she got her period in a pair of white pants and just got so embarrassed. She's probably doing that. I can't with the misogyny and the girl shaming.
3: You said that she was off in Mexico, probably with her boyfriend, and that she'd be home any minute. And that was kind of discouraging.
4: We lost some valuable time because in an abduction, the first 48, 72 hours, that's, that's, that's your window right there. And we lost it. But
1: the family gets super proactive. They arrange their own search. So the mom is telling us that like, they're like, well, fuck it. If the police aren't going to take this seriously, we're going to tell everybody we know, come like search the area where, you know, like the running area where she probably went missing. And a cop actually shows up at noon on Saturday. Yeah, he's
0: like, well, what are you guys doing here? What are you doing here? What are you, they're like, we told you our daughter was missing. You didn't do fuck shit about it. So we got our friends together and we had a search party. They're like, no, 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 no. We do the search parties around here.
1: And it's like, I love that that's Sharon Bag brother who's a cop in this town in Texas. No, 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 no. What
0: are y'all doing here? What are y'all doing here? Are you being a hysterical lady again? Mom, are you being crazy? Women are so crazy, aren't they? Did you break a name? little missy. Come on, <laughs> let me see that broken nail. And she's like, bitch, my kid is missing. And they're like, why didn't you say so in the first place?
1: And then we meet Detective Matt from the Texas Rangers.
0: Wait, and- wait, 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 hold on. What does best friend Christopher call them?
1: I don't know. The next day, an
2: investigator from the legendary Texas Rangers joins the investigation.
0: He calls them the legendary Texas Rangers. <laughs> and Dolly Parton, legendary. <laughs> oh. Stevie Wonder, legendary. A Miss Whitney Houston, I would put in the legendary
1: category. Hey, wait, wait, go, wait, 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 What about like, what about like a, a sensible Robbie Williams? That would will be a pass for me. <laughs> legendary, and certain, not braggable. Legendary,
0: not in the bedroom.
1: Right. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no,
0: I'm kidding. He was lovely.
1: Remember the other day you were telling the story that Robbie Williams called you poor? Yeah. And I was like, Robbie Williams is not rich. Robbie Williams is, like does not have money. Yeah. And then I googled his net worth. You guys, $300 million. Yeah. Knowing that, would you do things differently?
0: I mean, I... I would have done a lot of things differently in my life.
1: You'd rather marry the dirtbag with the coffee shop and the Mini Cooper than the guy with the $300 million? Did I ever tell you about the time that
0: we ordered room service and it was more than my rent? Literally more than my rent. Actual numbers that equaled more than the 30 days I pay to have a roof over my head. We ordered pancakes. Not alive. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. At any rate, right, all
0: to say the Texas Rangers are not legendary, Christopher. Let's pick our adjectives a little bit better. Carry on.
1: But so the dad says, like, the reason he likes this, like, Texas Rangers guy is because he's the first one to say, like, we don't think she left on her own. And so, like, now the family sort of feels like they're finally, like, on the right track. And so the official search begins on Sunday, which is four days after Rachel vanished. They've got people on ATVs, horsebacks, helicopters. And search. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this. The reason why, look, the reason why if I go missing, it'll be easier to find me than some of these people is because you're not going to need an ATV or a horseback. That's the service I'm doing America by living in a goddamn city. Yeah. Although I can't imagine you on an ATV going down 8th Avenue. <laughs> get, get out of my way. She's missing.
0: <laughs> do you remember that part in annie where she sneaks out in one of those big laundry bins yes what if you just like got like thrown in like a mr bundles like thing and you would just because they had those all over like sixth avenue in the fashion totally. district
1: right i'd be concerned for one minute and then i'd be like oh this shit is comfy i haven't had a nap in a decade <laughs> bye
2: detectives struggle to set up a timeline of rachel's last known movements she was last seen by her mother and sister around 8 a.m. on Thursday. Cell phone records confirm her last phone call was with her boyfriend in California, ending at 9.15 a.m. When police canvassed the neighborhood, it turns out a number of neighbors caught sight of Rachel as she was jogging later that Thursday morning.
0: So they go- they start trying to piece together her jog, right? Because uh. this is a neighborhood full of people. They all know each other. And a bunch of neighbors were like, yeah, I saw her jogging. After 10 a.m., someone was like, yeah, then I saw her jogging 20 minutes the other way. And some woman was working in her yard and she pulled over to stretch and a little bit around 10, 45. So they can piece together. Obviously, number one, she did indeed go out for that jog. Yeah. And she was around the neighborhood and she was seen. I mean, I don't know about you, but it was really giving me Lacey Peterson flashback. Oh,
1: for sure. Because you
0: know how all the neighbors were piecing together that timeline? Yeah. Was she with the dog? Was she outside? I got to
1: stop and say, too, this whole thing when they're piecing together her run and her timeline, they have this reenactment actress jogging the loop. And I just went, this poor reenactment actress I know. is so struggling with the job. She's exhausted. Like you get cast in one of these things and you show up and you're like, I have to do what now at one point the poor reenactment actress's face is like bright red she's got sweat pouring down her face and she's basically hunched over and i love that they're just like all right caitlin we're gonna need you to take it again from the top of the street if you can pick up the pace you're slowing down production just a little (laughs) bit girl
0: they're like, honey,
1: this is TV. If you want to play with the big dogs, you got to stop pissing like a puppy.
0: Let's go. Anyway, then Christopher says maybe she disappeared into thin air. And Christopher, you know, that's a trigger for me. So
1: whatever. But the last known sighting of her was around 1045. and And they say there's no indication that she entered the house. And hot Matt, Texas Ranger goes,
3: So assumptions were that she was abducted during that jog from the neighborhood in which she lived. Christopher,
1: this is why they're not legendary, girl. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? What were the other options you guys threw around before you landed on she was abducted from the last known activity that we know that she did? (laughs) But also, I'm like, you know this is like a Tara Grinstead neighborhood where every neighbor knows everything about everyone. How did nobody see anything? Yeah. Like, this woman is abducted. Like, she if she was actually abducted, she would have had to have been put in some sort of vehicle. Yeah. It's broad fucking daylight in the middle of a neighborhood. How did nobody see anything? And that's why, like, I have my theory is that, like, and the mom sort of alludes to this in the end, too. Maybe it wasn't an abduction. Like, maybe there was some sort of accident. Maybe she, like, you know, fell into some sort of sinkhole. Like, that shit happens. Right,
0: right, yeah. From the amount of exhaustion of searches they did. I don't think that happened, but obviously yeah. it could happen. So then they start talking, they get a bunch of tips and leads, and they start talking about this suspicious car, and it's a white Camaro.
2: Early on, investigators develop a lead. A suspicious car was seen by many in the neighborhood the day Rachel disappeared.
3: A white Camaro was seen in the area. We actually lost count of how many reports we had of white Camaros come into the tip line.
0: And I'm Suspicious because anyone who has driven or drove a Camaro, please know my deep seated hate for anybody in a Camaro. Because my dad had a Camaro and my dad was a douche lozenge. And you know, listen, a Camaro seats four people, okay? Yeah. He had three kids, all right? It seats four people. So his desire to look like a pathetic man regaining his youth superseded his necessity for all his children to have seatbelts. If there was so much as one. Guest in the car.
1: Okay, so I was going to say because hold on a second, girl. He did do the math. Like yeah. he wasn't trying to go anywhere without any of you. Like he- it, I'm not coming to your dad's defense, but he did make sure that each of the kids had a place in the car.
0: Yeah, but if we had a guest in the car, my brother Joe would sit on the hump, which was a hump <laughs> in between the two seats without a goddamn seatbelt. He could have been projected through the freaking you know windshield.
1: And you know, let me tell you this. I got a hump for your brother Joe right here.
0: Okay, you know what? I that was that was actually my fault because (laughs) I lobbed that up like a goddamn
1: cantaloupe and that was stupid. Poor Joe. Hi, Joe. I miss you. Do you know who else hates white cars? Who? Sharon. Why does she hate them? She hates
0: white cars because white cars are for Crete magnets. She has said that time and time again, get a manly color. Something like a midnight blue,
1: possibly Uh a heather gray. Okay, Sharon, what kind of car do you drive? Subaru. Okay. <laughs> what color is your Subaru, Sharon? Forest green. <laughs> Did you get it used or new?
0: I got it used over,
1: uh, off, uh there's this, uh, there's this
0: guy. His name's Sammy. He's my cousin's cousin. Uh-huh. And uh, he gave me a great deal in a used car. New uh-huh.
1: rims, though. Oh, great.
0: New rater. Great,
1: great. Does it come with OnStar?
0: It doesn't have OnStar. So if
1: you were in a I don't know. Let's say a rental car with the OnStar trying to barter with the toll taker. Like, what? Like, how would that? How would that go? Yeah,
0: that's a weird
1: thing to say. Why are you trying to get me to say that? Oh, say it back to me, girl. See what happens.
0: Well, you mean like if I got a rental car, and it had OnStar, I had to, I didn't have enough money, so I had to barter with the toll taker. What? <laughs> I don't understand.
1: Anyway. Oh, Sharon, I love you. I love you. I, I love you.
0: I hate Camaros. <laughs> I hate white cars.
1: One report
2: mentions a jogger in Rachel's age range near the Camaro. Another suggests a young woman possibly struggling in the car.
3: Investigators worked really hard to locate that particular car. Uh, Several were located and uh, examined, but no evidence was found that actually linked Rachel to those particular vehicles.
1: But the thing is, they finally figure out that the Camaro wasn't suspicious. It was just full of a bunch of teenage boys playing hooky. Yeah. To which I was like, can we still get some DNA and drag these kids in for questioning? If they didn't do this, they did something. They, they, yeah, they had a Camaro. But like, right. <laughs> so
0: that, they, I, that was so weird. It was just such a little, like, nugget. And we're like, okay, I guess it
1: wasn't those guys. But like, how, like, here's what I'm saying. So you're saying the car was in the area during the abduction looked suspicious enough to like eight or nine people that they all called in. Then you found out that it was full of a bunch of little punks that were skipping school and like smoking pot. Why? Why are you immediately like, oh no, it definitely could not have been them. Yeah. They seemed like they were on the up and up. (laughs) What about these boys Says like Definitely did not Abduct this girl I need more information On this please
0: I didn't do it Well that's good enough For me Are we good Are we good With these guys (laughs) Yeah I'm gonna let them go But so You know The the search continues And we learned That the divers Search the lake And they make it A point to say Here we go All right, here we go What was in the lake What was in the lake Like a shit ton Of cars Why is nobody (laughs) Cleaning these lakes This is the only Thing I wanna say There is a national Day for everything There is a national Bloody Mary day there is a national buffet day there is a national whipped cream day can we get a national clean the cars out of the goddamn lakes day (laughs) maybe in May I don't know
1: I'm just (laughs) spitballing seems to be an uneventful month but my thing is like can we pull the cars out of the lake and just check the trunks for bodies like I feel like between that episode that took place in the desert where we found out that like all people do is hide bodies in caves if we could search the caves and pull the cars out of lakes and search like I feel like we could solve a whole bunch of missing persons cases also why are there there's so many cars and lakes. I know. And also, okay, while we're on the subject, why does anybody want the job of diver? Every time I see the divers go into these lakes to like search the cars or look for bodies, why does anybody want that job? I know. That is the fucking terrifyingest job I've ever heard of. I know. Have
0: you ever scuba dived?
1: Never. Oh,
0: I have. It's very quiet. You can't hear anything. All you hear are your own bubbles when you scuba dive. All you can hear is your no. own... Pff, and then the bubbles. No. You can't and shit is everywhere in the, well, in the ocean and the lake where there's apparently a million cars. (laughs) (laughs) have you ever been to Georgetown, Texas? Yeah, they got a million cars in them lakes. (laughs)
1: Like, do you think any of those cars had humps in them? Like my dad's Camaro? Yeah, because I got a hump for your brother Joe right here.
0: <laughs> oh, you worked on that, didn't you, sweetheart? You let that marinate, didn't you? You let that marinate just...
1: overnight. Talk about my brother again.
0: I will I will kill the fuck out of you.
1: Okay. Oh, I just saw the Italian big sister come out in you. Your mom's not the only one in that house who knows how to use a wooden spoon. Holy shit. <laughs>
0: you know what? It wasn't those weird guys in that weird car, but they're, which I'm
1: not convinced by the way, not convinced. And
0: they're like, let's just draw all the weird guys we've seen around town. Should we do that? (laughs) Any weird guy you've seen, we're going to get this guy to draw them. So they have a composite of just like one guy looks like Danny Zuko. One guy looks like the guy from welcome back. Cotter. One guy looks just like a creep magnet. Like it's just composite sketches. The composite guy was like, yeah, I'm just going to draw a bunch of weirdos and see if, any of these
1: stick <laughs> i was i feel like you've dated each one of those guys yeah do you know what i mean i recognize them from you
0: absolutely at the yeah. very least gotten to second base
2: in addition to suspicious strangers detectives examine people closer to home rachel's boyfriend greg who flies back on sunday to help with the search is questioned as soon as he arrives
1: So, at this point, boyfriend Greg flies back to help with the search. And the cops are like, while you're here, we're going to drag you in for questioning. Yes, yes, we know that you were like 800 miles away. And yes, we have the cell phone data to prove it. But just look, we're all done drawing the creep magnets from the neighborhood. We got to do something else. We're going to bring this guy in for questioning. So,
0: what have we done? We've gone on a dive, we drew all the creep (laughs) magnets. And let's ask the guy that was literally nowhere near where this happened. And we have all the, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's do it for fun.
1: Yeah, but you know what? Those fucking three kids in the Camaro that were right there when this girl got abducted, we don't need to talk to them. No, but let's talk to the boyfriend. Let's talk to the yeah, boyfriend. T- totally. Those kids who were like in the middle of breaking all kinds of laws definitely didn't do this.
0: Yeah, and they bring the parents in for a polygraph test, a lie detector. Of course, um, Mama Janet passed and Papa Robert failed one question Ugh, and this
3: brutal. broke
0: my heart.
3: They asked me... If I knew where Rachel was, I said no, and unfortunately, I think I think I do. I think she's in heaven, so uh, I think that's why I didn't pass that one question on, on the quiz.
0: The first time I watched this, I was like, well, there's my morning cry for you.
1: I know. And it's like these families get so re-traumatized when they have to tell these stories. Like that's always so hard to watch. But suddenly we learn that Rachel has an ex-boyfriend who is now a person of interest. Now, if you remember Rachel's timeline, she came home with her current boyfriend for Christmas. He had enough of like shacking up on the couch with her. Because remember, they got rid of the guest room. Right. (laughs) And so he goes home, and Rachel's still in town for the cousin's wedding. And so one night, she's at a party, and the ex-boyfriend is there, and they, like, get into a big fight. And everyone is saying that, like, we saw them shouting. And he's insisting that, like, he's still in love with her, and she needs to be with him. And then Mama Janet tells this insane story of him, like, showing up at their house, hammered in the middle of the night another night.
4: He came over, and he was inebriated, and he came... uh, It must have been 3 o'clock at night pounding on the door wanting to see Rachel. So I had to threaten him because he just would not leave. I threatened to call the sheriff's department
1: here's my thing about this because the mom is saying that like he showed up at 3am he's totally hammered he's banging on the door demanded to talk to her here's my thing if your intention is actually to win her back don't you care about the family Like, yeah. you and isn't this like a swift path to that not being what happens yeah. you know what I mean Rachel's mom is like well I had to threaten him and I just had this image of her taking a shotgun off the coat rack and kicking the door open she's like no girl I just called the cops that's all <laughs> I'm like this is Texas you can't at somebody's house at three in the morning and expect you're not going to get shot. I would never. In fact, my sister lives in Texas. If I go and visit her, I will be inside after 4 p.m. (laughs) I'm not going outside in Texas. Not ever.
0: Anyway, Papa Robert explains what we all know. And he's like, well, you know, boyfriends and ex-husbands are always the first person you have to look at. And I was like, do you listen to this podcast?
1: (laughs) Are you on the pace, Papa Richard? (laughs) So a year passes and there's no clues. And we get the theories. And, you know, We learn, like, the theories are, oh, this is so terrible. Remember, it's broad fucking daylight. And the dad says, you know, she was either abducted at the end of her jog or right when she walked into the house because they never locked their doors, girl. Mm I know So like imagine You finish your jog And like you walk Into your house And someone's in there Robbing it And instead they just Abduct and yeah. kill you Yeah Can I make an impassioned plea to the people To lock your fucking doors Yes please Lock your goddamn It's one simple thing You can do to not get abducted If there's one thing You can do today Wear a mask If there's one other thing You can do Lock your goddamn door There
0: Yeah lock your doors We learned that the parents Marriage sadly fell apart Which I mean Losing a child I mean how can you Go on really
1: And they were like They wanted different things Like the mom wanted To be comforted And loved And the dad wanted To like go on a crusade to find I know, her, you know? I know, and the poor like other daughter gets caught in the middle. It's very like I'm surprised all of these cases don't end up like this.
0: Yeah, I mean they're lovely people. It's just that heartache. I mean that just of course you wake up in the middle of the night and it just I can understand how you know your relationship would definitely suffer. I can definitely understand that.
1: And the dad says that like finding her became such an obsession that yeah. he got laid off from his job. Oh, yeah. And I was like, who fucking lays off the dad of a missing kid? Can you imagine, Robert? could you come into the office please close the door behind you are you kidding me i know so it's august 2006 and there is some breaking news you guys
2: then in august of 2006 investigators get what looks like a clear breakthrough in the case from prison a convicted murderer contacts authorities with a stunning story
0: here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Um, be sure to check your tickets. Make sure you have, it is clearly marked for the rage train um, because here we go. Just make sure they're, you know, time and stamped and everything. We want everyone yeah. who has a ticket to get on. Um, plenty of room. Don't crowd. Plenty of room for social distancing. Uh, and let's let this rage train lead to the station, shall we? great.
1: So it's August 2006. And they say there's a clear breakthrough in the case. There is a guy a murderer His name is Michael Moore And he contacts the authorities
0: Michael Moore It should be said Completely unrelated To the author and filmmaker Right
1: Okay The director of Fahrenheit 9-11 Claimed responsibility yeah. In the death of a young woman today <laughs> No Different
0: Michael Moore Entirely Continue Moore. Continue. Yeah. Choo-choo motherfuckers Everyone still here Great Here we go <laughs>
1: So he says he's responsible for the disappearance. And we learn about him. This guy, Michael Moore, has he's been a career criminal since he was 13 years old.
0: Can you not scoot over the word career criminal? <laughs> <I
2: know. laughs> Moore has spent much of his adult life in prison. At the time of his confession to law officers, he is serving four life sentences for the 2003 robbery and murder of a young mother and her unborn child in a town neighboring Georgetown.
1: You guys, he is currently serving four life sentences for a 2003 robbery and murder of a young mother and her unborn child.
2: Both Detective Hawkins and Texas Ranger Lindemann, among others, interview Moore in prison. He tells them he was driving around the neighborhood looking for someone to rob when he saw Rachel.
3: He advised us that he killed Rachel Cook and named locations that he had taken her. He came forward and confessed that he had taken Rachel and dumped her body in Matagora Bay, which is on the Gulf Coast of Texas.
0: So we get the legendary Texas Ranger, whatever the fuck his name is, to come to the jail and take his statement. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. During that day, Rachel went missing. I was driving around looking for somebody to rob, you know, casual Thursday. It was my robbing day, you know. (laughs) So then he says he attacked her. This is pretty graphic. He said he attacked her with a hammer and dumped her body in the bay on the Gulf Coast of Texas. He goes into kind of graphic detail. So here's where this story does track. Michael Moore at the time was out of prison and he did not live far from the Cook family. Yeah, He drove a white pickup truck and her mom remembered seeing a white pickup truck. So all those things do track with this story. So the divers go to where he said he put her body and he agrees on a plea.
1: So, like, what is happening is he's admitting to this murder and in exchange for telling the family where the body is, he's going to get 18 additional months. Now, that sounds insane, but we have to remember that he's currently serving four consecutive life sentences. So, like, this guy's never getting out of jail and, like, what the family is getting in exchange for agreeing to this, like, bullshit 18 months is that they're going to find out what happened. They're going to find, hopefully, they're going to get the remains back of their daughter and they can actually give her, like, a proper burial.
0: Right. So, November 9th, two thousand rolls around. This is the day he's going to make his official statement in court.
2: The cooks hope for some kind of closure. Finally, an end to their long ordeal is in sight. They gather their family and friends and go to the
1: courthouse for Michael Moore's plea hearing.
0: Now, let me give you a visual. This courtroom is
1: We see video of it. That's how we know. Like, it's packed.
0: It's packed. There's cameras. There's people. The dad is there. The sister is there. And it isn't somber. It's very, like, it's not excitement. It's just, like, this is where we're going to find out all of these, you know, years of wondering. We waited four years. And this courtroom is packed with people. So, the judge calls the state versus Michael Moore, and he says, you are charged with the murder as alleged. How do you plead? And Michael Moore says, not guilty. And the judge is like, I'm sorry, come again?
3: Call calls number 061823K three sixty eight state versus Michael Key the charge of murder is alleged. How do you plead? Not guilty. Get that not guilty. And then he got up there and he said not guilty. And It was kind of a hush, just fell over the entire crowd. This catches
1: everyone by surprise, even his own attorneys. Yeah,
0: he had told the authorities, he told the prosecution's office, he told everyone that came within earshot he was going to plead guilty to this crime. Even the lawyers, like, leaning over going like, the fuck, the fuck, the fuck, the fuck, the fuck.
1: (laughs) And and then, and then, and then, he later then tells a reporter he made the whole thing up. This guy is fucking... Fucking crazy. So, but here's the gag.
0: First of all, there is no evidence to his story. The only thing they were relying on was his confession, right? Yes. That's all they had. But here's the thing. He could have done it, maybe. Yes, yeah. Or he was just that big of a fucking psychopath that he was dangling this carrot in front of this poor, helpless family that is just trying to look for closure for their beautiful daughter that's been missing. And that was some twisted fucking game. Either way, it's fucking monstrous. It's demonic. Yeah, Whichever yeah. way you slice it, this family is either not getting answers or he fucking did it. And he's like, ha ha, you guys don't have any evidence. And I fucking did it. And I don't know which one it is. <laughs> I
1: know. You're about to levitate off that oh, bed over there. Oh, my God. You okay?
0: <laughs> I don't know which one it is. Like, I know. either way, you're a sick fuck. I was leaning towards him just doing this to play some kind of sick game. Some, like, little, like, Israel Keys, like, mind yes, fuckery. Yes,
1: yes. For sure. yes. That's where I am. I don't think he did this. But he's not done with his shenanigans, you guys. Yeah. January 27th, 2011, he punks disappeared.
2: In January of 2011... Michael Moore agrees to be interviewed about Rachel Cook for this program at the state prison in Gatesville, Texas.
0: It's exclusive. I.D. got the exclusive interview.
1: So then we're like seeing the shot set up. They tell us it's it's in the chapel of this jail. And then Christopher, and you can hear the disappointment in Christopher's voice.
2: The camera is set up in the prison chapel. But when he appears, he says he has changed his mind, just as he did that day in court in 2006.
0: The emotional gymnastics that this family has had to suffer I know. is reprehensible. I mean, it is. I, I And it and the family was torn apart. And we learned that Mama Janet is very, she's kind of like a little bit of a recluse now. Yeah. like She's an art teacher. She rescues animals, but she's very much alone. Sister Joanna has gone on because of this to become a social worker. And, you know, they have a memorial tree planted for her, all these beautiful things. But honestly, like this family was... Because left in shambles. And there's not,
1: were you able to find anything else? I mean, like that's where the episode ends and there's like no information.
0: So the only thing that I found was, so this, this is, you know, this case is well over 15 years old. Yeah. And in 2017, there was a tip that was sent um, about a car that was in some storage unit that some blood might have been found in the car. Now in December of 2018, there was another dig performed in Georgetown and the police would not not divulge exactly what it was but it was later confirmed that it was 100% in relation to the Cook case. So because of those digs, they said there is currently a $100,000 reward for information leading to Cook's body. Now, this was back in January of 2020. This is not a cold case. They are still accepting tips and information. You can call -CALL 1-800-CALL-FBI or 512-943-5204 because they do still weekly get tips and they're very, very much still trying to identify the person or people who did this to her.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Say something funny.
1: I got a hump for your brother right here. (laughs) Oh, my God, you guys. That's episode one. Season 4 Girl We're
0: going through them We're going through them I know I'm just glad Christopher is still here I'm really nervous About the season That
1: comes up Without our Christopher I know I know You guys If you want more Ellen and me Join us on the Patreon Every month You get three full Bonus episodes Ad free Plus our Monthly trivia You guys Our monthly trivia Is insane Over a thousand People played last month It's for everybody At the $5 level The questions are all True crime And OWD And Ellen and me Based They're not that hard You can play at home The play at home Option is super fun interactive. Um, at the $10 level, you also get ad-free versions of these episodes and you get to be on our best friend circle on Instagram. Which is super fun. And you can always catch us Friday nights at 6 p.m. live on
0: our Instagram, The Disappeared Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at Ellen Marsh. You can follow Patrick at Patrick Hines underscore. I'm also on TikTok.
1: I'm on TikTok. And join the Facebook group, you guys. Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. That's it, girl. Loving you. Um, Loving you. We
0: love you so much. He is. Did you watch the episode? I did because everyone was like, it changes... Announcers, But I was like, that sounds like my Christopher. It is our Christopher. Because everyone was like, it's not Christopher. And I was like, then this is a Christopher like impersonator. <laughs> there is somebody going around cruise ships all over town impersonating Christopher. It is him. It's okay, totally good.
1: Christopher. But wait, did you like have a camcorder when you were growing up to like make the home movies? Oh, yeah.
0: My parents loved their
1: camcorder. Okay, richer than me. Richer than me. That's all. It was a trick question, and you fell right <laughs> into it. Did not have a camcorder.
0: People so- in the group— People- People in the group love it when we have a pour-off, by the way. Does
1: Pam listen to the
0: podcast? Does she even know what you do? No! no. My
1: mother like, consistently asks me where she can watch my podcast. <laughs> Mom. Is that the one with the boobs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, tell her Tell her we got a shift on Thursday night. Wear something skimpy. And I don't want to be crass about it, but I will point out the places on my face that the sheriff can sit. Okay. You it's know? At-
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? okay I didn't know you were gonna go there today which is fine because I should have known better Yeah okay.